The views, ideas, and content of well seekers and their guests are their own opinions, and you should always seek additional professional help around any of the issues discussed here on Well Seekers. Hello, and welcome to Well Seekers, where we are rising and coming back to live a life of well. I'm Lucia. I'm so honored to be with you today. We're continuing our series on rising and coming back from food-related issues this fall with a very special guest today talking about treatment options and what to do if you're a loved one of someone who's struggling with food-related issues. Now, before we get started on our show, I wanted to talk about some of the signs, warning signs of eating disorders. Now, I'm not a parent, but I know plenty of parents who have kids and anywhere from ages six to young adults, and they question some of their eating-related behaviors. A question I get a lot is, is this normal? Now, I'm just going to start by saying everyone needs to go see their own therapist or doctor to assess whether something is normal or not normal. But speaking in general terms today, I wanted to talk about some of the signs that you can look for if you have someone in your life that you think may have an eating related issue or potentially an eating disorder. One of the things that is hard to differentiate between is just normal self-consciousness and weight concerns and an eating-related issue. But here's something that I like to ask people that talk about losing weight or they're not happy with their body is why. So is it a diet culture thing? Is it a self-esteem thing? So asking the why is so vital because that's going to tell you where this person is headed. If it's something like, hey, for example, I'm just going to use myself, I've gained some weight because I stopped working out because of an injury and I want to lose weight. Now that why seems pretty spot on. I'm going to do that healthily. I'm going to do it slowly. I'm not going to take drastic measures. But if I'm thin, which I was at a completely normal weight with completely normal eating. And then all of a sudden I decide that um, I'm not happy with my body and I need to lose weight. Now that why was a lot different. So asking someone why can be important. But if you have any doubt or any questions, especially if you're dealing with a teenager or a child or a young adult, I always tell people just be more cautious. So why not schedule an appointment with a therapist? Why not just have them talk to someone? If you can't get their why, there is no shame and no harm in bringing them to a mental health professional. I think that mental health checkups should be something that are just that, checkups. I don't think we need to go to therapists only when there's an emergency. It can help to talk to somebody, your own mental health therapist, your own mental health professional, This is just my opinion. Doctors are great. I think if that's what you want to do, bring them to a doctor. That's great as well. But a trained mental health professional, especially someone who deals with eating related issues and having a conversation, having your child have a conversation, having your loved one have a conversation, that's all it needs to be. And sometimes just a simple conversation, talking about their self-consciousness, their self-esteem, their weight concerns, different things like that. It can be a preventative measure for further down the line complications with eating related issues and eating disorders. I am a big advocate and proponent of prevention, which to me means having these support sources out there. And one of those support sources is talking to a professional. Even though we're going to give some warning signs of eating disorders or eating related issues, I always, always cannot stress enough that I am such an advocate of if you have any questions or a loved one that you're concerned about, and if it is a a child in your life that you're concerned about, Having them talk to a professional, there's no shame around it and it could prevent things from occurring further down the line. 
Having said that, some things to pick up on if you're questioning if someone has issues with food. There's a couple major categories that I always look for. One is restricting making excuses to avoid meals. So if they're constantly saying, you know, oh, I had a bigger meal earlier, I'm not hungry, I had an upset stomach. Those are things that I used to do and that I've seen clients also do. I know for myself, sometimes that could just be someone who has allergies because now I have food allergies and that stuff is true. So just noticing, observing, is this person always doing this? Do they always have an upset stomach? And is there no reason for it? Do they not have allergies? They just, you know, may potentially be restricting food. If you're out and they're only eating tiny portions, it could be another indicator, obsessively counting calories, not just tracking them to make sure they're on target, but reading labels, weighing their portions to an obsession, developing restrictive food rituals, saying they can't eat certain foods. Like I know for myself, I couldn't, there was a whole long list of foods I wouldn't eat, pizza, pasta, all of this stuff that now I just enjoy in moderation diet pills. If someone's on a prescription diet pill like Adderall or Ritalin, even legal and illegal drugs, some people go and get diet prescriptions from their doctors. They may not even have an eating disorder as of yet, but some warning signs that one could be developing. If binging is something that you think or worry about, unexplained disappearances of large foods from your house, a lot of empty food packages and wrappers hidden around in the bottom of the trash, hoarding and hiding stashes of high calorie foods and sweets, secrecy and isolation. That's a big one with binging. So you may eat normally around others and then binge at night. So again, this is for loved ones, but maybe you're resonating with this yourself. Purging is also, of course, another warning sign that there may be an eating-related issue. And also, just so you guys know, I'm getting this specific list from a resource guide called helpguide.org. I'll put a link and a blog about these signs because I think that this site in particular does a great job in summing it up. If someone is purging, some signs that they may be purging, disappearing right after a meal, making frequent trips to the bathroom showering, bathing, or running the water after a meal just to hide that they're purging. And purging can come in lots of different forms, excessive amounts of mouthwash and breath mints. If you're smelling that, it's maybe to disguise the smell of vomit, taking laxatives, exercising for extended, extended periods of time. That's all a form of purging as well. Frequent complaints of a sore throat. Maybe they have an upset stomach, diarrhea, constipation, and discolored teeth. All, again, signs that someone could be purging. And I talked about this a little bit before, but distorted body image is, I think, one of the first signs that leads to eating-related issues. So, for example, listening to people and how they talk about their body can help prevent eating-related issues and eating disorders, again, just in my opinion, more than anything else. If you hear someone with an extreme preoccupation with their body or weight sign talking about they don't feel this or they don't feel that, Maybe they are at a fine weight, a healthy weight for their body, and they're saying that they need to lose weight. Different things like that. Again, those are warning signs that, okay, this person isn't happy with their body, which means they may manipulate their food behavior in some sort of way that could eventually lead to a clinically diagnosable eating disorder. 
To me, prevention of eating disorders is so important. Treatment is, is as well, which is why we have our guests coming on today to help talk about what to do if you have a loved one that needs help with an eating-related issue and may require treatment and also is going to come on and talk about my favorite thing, which is self-care for you as the loved one. I believe truly to my core from personal experience and from professional experience that prevention of significant eating-related issues is possible. And it's it's possible by tackling a lot of the things that we've talked about here on Well Seekers. Number one, diet culture, just the feeling that your weight in some way correlates to your significance and helping people see that that is absolutely not true. And then number two, learning how to feed yourself, fuel yourself, and be yourself as a whole complete person and not putting so much judgment around your weight and what that weight means. So the goal is always healthy. It's not thin. And if we could shift that ideology as a country, as women specifically, for each other too. One of the things that I always see is women picking on each other's bodies, not to their faces generally, but even at my age, there's women saying, oh, that, oh yeah, she gained weight. It's like, okay, maybe she has something going on. Maybe she can't exercise enough. So as a female, just not only checking your own behavior with food, but watching what you're saying about other women, their bodies, commenting on women's bodies, that behavior. And you never know who's listening. Little ears are listening all the time (laughs) to things being said about bodies, your own bodies and other people. So I personally, for me, try to clean up my language about other women's bodies and especially my own body. Now, having said that, though, if you are worried about someone, the best thing to do is to speak out. So that could be as soon as possible. Maybe they're just, you know, on the verge of something and talking negatively about their body, or it could be someone that you think may have a full-blown clinically diagnosable eating disorder. Whatever the case may be, or it may be in between there, speaking out is always the thing to do to try to get someone help. But how do you do that? How do you get help? What do you say? And what do you do to take care of yourself in the meantime and in between all of that? Well, our guest Kelly McAdams is going to come on and talk to us about that next. So stay with us right here on Well Seekers. After a long day, taking time to love yourself and your friends and your family more well can be a challenge. We're so burnt out and exhausted and stressed from working so hard during the day, we forget to love the people and the places and the things that are important to us. Well, Lucia Knight is here to help. We're gonna be a retreat and a treat for your day. A place to laugh, to connect, and to learn to love yourself and others more well. We're gonna talk about relationships, ways to sleep better. We'll have expert guests, personal stories, maybe even a musical guest or two. We'll share behind the scenes into my own life as well, my friends, my family, and of course, my relationships. So close the door on your day and light up your night with Lucia at night. Also, make sure to check out more at wellseekers.com for simple and real-life ways to bring wellness home. I'll see you tonight on Lucia at Night. You're listening to Well Seekers, a show where the journey is just as important as the destination. And we're back on Well Seekers with our guest, Kelly McAdams. Kelly is a licensed independent clinical social worker and outreach manager at a treatment center. And Kelly is going to talk to us about a few things. First, Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you, It's great to be back. I know. I was going to say, actually, welcome back to the show. Thanks. (laughs) How have you been? 
Um, been doing very well. I'm glad that it's fall. I love the fall season and um, time for change. And back to school is always great. You know, there's two types of people when it comes to fall. I feel like there's no <laughs> middle ground. There's either the people like you that love it and sort of see it as a rebirth and this new year and they're excited. And then there's the people that I've been one of these people. I feel like I'm more like you now. The seasonal depression starts to set in and the days get dark. And I just remember dreading fall every year. Like I do not want it to be cold again. If you live on the East Coast, have you always loved fall? I do. I I grew up in California, so our seasons kind of just blended together. I know. Although I really right. starting to not love winter as much as I used to. So as soon as all the leaves are gone, that's when the darkness and depression starts to set in, and it's just so cold. It's so cold. I like. I want to retire now so that I can just move <laughs> to Florida. <laughs> you can move to Florida without retiring anything. I don't know. I mean, licenses are hard to transfer, though. <laughs> oh, I've done that a few times. It'll go okay. Kelly, so we've been talking about, before you came on, some early warning signs of people that could be struggling with both an eating-related issue and leaning towards an eating disorder, and then signs of eating disorders, clinically diagnosable eating disorders. We're so glad that you're here joining us for a couple reasons. To talk about how to speak to someone in your life, a loved one that you may think has an issue with food or an eating disorder. Um, and I just want to differentiate that because we were talking about in, in the episodes before this, Cal, about how people can have eating related issues, but they may not be clinically diagnosable eating disorders yet, but how still getting help is so critical, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. I think any indication that there's some disordered eating is really helpful to get some support in place early on, always. Absolutely. We literally were just saying that, that dis eating related issues and disordered eating doesn't have to be a full-blown eating disorder if you get some support in place it can be cut off before it becomes the issue. I mean, that I had and that our guest last week had where it was like, this is life or death at this point um, and you need help. Mm -hmm. So so if there is someone in your life that you suspect may have either disordered eating or eating related issues or potentially even a full-blown eating disorder, what are some ways that we can navigate talking to this person, especially if we don't no, right? Because it can be blurry. And maybe you want to give us your own professional viewpoint. And of course, I, as I say in every show, consult with your own mental health professional one-on-one -on -one if you have any other questions. But just from your experience, is there some sort of tools that you use to say, hey, this could be disordered eating, this could be an eating disorder and something that you maybe want to ask more questions around? Yes, absolutely. And I end up interfacing quite a bit with parents of either adolescents or typically young adult college population. Sometimes in those initial concerning stages about what do I say and what should we do. I think it's really important to just acknowledge, first of all, that having these types of conversations are really hard, and especially with somebody that's really close to you, and trying to figure out what to say and how to do it, but also knowing that the support of family and friends is absolutely critical the person in their seeking recovery and in their process. So certainly finding a time to talk and having it a private place so that you're not feeling lost or that you're in front of other people. 
Um, Jason time to really, before you talk to the person, uh, rehearse what you want to say. And I know that might sound kind of silly, but uh, it helps to reduce your anxiety and then for yourself and clarify exactly what it is that you want to say. Sometimes people will write out, they find it helpful to write out little main points so that it helps them. And then really sticking to the to the facts and um, raising concern about the potential of um, eating disorder or, or disordered eating and to share observations. Like I have seen you going to the bathroom after you eat would be an observable um, event that has occurred. So being able to point out some specific things without judgment, just saying this is what I'm noticing, and then, you know, I'm concerned about this. So I think you highlighted a few major things. Number one, find the right time. So the right time, let me throw at you some of the wrong times, I feel like. Can you tell me if if I'm on base? Like during a meal, Probably the wrong time. Probably the wrong time. Yeah, right, right. after a meal or if you're in the middle of an, another argument with this person, probably also the wrong time. Probably, absolutely. So setting aside a specific neutral time yeah. where there's been no prior conversation, there's no chance mm-hmm. for other mixed emotions, where it can just right. be, like you said, one-on-one and laying out the facts, not even so much like, I feel like you may have an eating disorder. It's like, hey, I noticed this observable fact that right. you don't eat dinner when we're together or you leave dinner mm-hmm. five minutes early always. And I hear the water running. Is that right. what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, I think it's also important to Keep in mind too, too that sometimes um, some of the observations may not just be about food or, or behaviors such as uh, in relation to food, but there could be concerns or worry about how frequently someone's going to the gym um, yes. and how yes. much they're exercising. So those might be observations as well. And you certainly don't want to throw out the list of observations, you know, <laughs> you know, have like. 10 things that you're saying, like, I know this and this and this and this. Yeah, I mean, you want to, um, maybe for the person to feel like you're really coming down on them, but definitely that you're noticing what's happening in their life and that you're concerned and how, and, you know, then how can you help them? Right. So interjecting love into that. That it's all about your care and your concern. It's not about you picking Mm -hmm. on them. And I think that you pointed out something else that we talked about purging can mean a lot of different things. It doesn't need to be, you know, actually purging food out of your body by vomiting. It could be exercising hours and hours a day on end. It could be taking a laxative. Purging can happen in a variety, a variety of ways. Absolutely. Yeah. So if we have this conversation with this person, what are some of the things we can expect back? I could tell you. (laughs) <laughs> but I'd like well, to hear it from you since this is what you do day in and day out. <laughs> well, uh, I think you know where we're headed. Be prepared for a negative reaction. Yes. Um, I say this personally and professionally <laughs> and professionally, but mo- mainly personally. Right. Sometimes people are, you know, eating disorders individuals are, are glad that someone has noticed that they're struggling. That could be one category that you're received with 
joy that someone has noticed that they're struggling. And other times, the individual can become very angry and hostile, mm. uh, perhaps even insisting that you're the one with the problem. There's definitely a lot of denial, you know, and a lot of different disorders, but certainly in eating disorders and becoming um, angry and hostile is oftentimes in response. Or shutting down and just brushing out the concerns or, or minimizing potential dangers. Or, you know, because I've got it. Don't worry about me, I've got it. And just, you know, ending the conversation. Yeah. Um, so any of those responses are pretty normal. Um, and then just, you know, reiterating your concerns and letting them know that you care and trying to leave as best you can the conversation open so that you can revisit it again later. What would you say the best thing to do is if they are... I guess it's what you just said, right? If they if they are angry or hostile or they really don't want to hear it, is it j- just leaving it at I'm I'm I care, I'm concerned. I just want you to know the door's opened if you ever want help or if this is something that you want to talk about further and then you just leave it. I think so at the first conversation, definitely just putting it out there, letting the person just kind of letting it soak in. That now they know you know <laughs> that you're aware. But then I think there needs to be a follow-up conversation about um, encouraging the individual to get some help with a professional and offering to help them explore that further if they, if they would like. And we both know that getting timely effective treatment um, definitely increases the person's chance for recovery. Um, and recovery is possible from eating disorders and trying to put the interventions in place in a timely manner is pretty important. It's absolutely possible for eating disorders, and it's also imperative. I mean, we don't talk about it a lot, and I haven't mentioned it yet in this series, but anorexia is the number one mm-hmm. leading cause of death in mental illness is anorexia, right. the number mm-hmm. one in mental mm-hmm. illness. And, you know, no knock to... Um, addiction, which is something we're going to talk about in our next series. But I feel like because there is such a spotlight on addiction right now, we forget right. that the number one killer is an yeah. eating disorder. And we don't mm-hmm. hear about that. And no, why no. do you think that is? There's so many people that think it's because <laughs> it's a female dominated disease, which we will talk about in our next show that males struggle as well. But because right. it is mainly tends to lean skew more female, which also isn't true because binge eating now in the picture is 50 50. The last stats I checked for male female. Mm-hmm. What do you think the reason is? And do you see this transitioning as more demographics are affected? Well, I think it's a really great question, and I, and I wish we knew the answer. Um, yeah. I think it's pretty complex and very layered mm-hmm. to looking at um, the stigma around eating disorders, but then you know, culturally, different factors that are involved and socially, and certainly with the media. And the messages that we as a community give to our youth and, and women. Um, so diet culture yeah. is a lot of yes. it. Yeah. Yes. Which yeah. we talked about earlier. So we've right. had this conversation with our loved one. Let's just say they aren't receptive like we talked about, but we leave the door open um, so that they know that there's a safe place for them to go. Two questions. One, what's the follow up from there? Would you say if you see it getting worse and they're still not reaching out for help? And then second question 
if they say they do want help, what do you do next? So I think their answer is a little bit different depending on if the person is under 18 or over 18. Okay. So let's say they're both. Okay. <laughs> you have a, little, a lot more leverage when somebody's under 18 and in your household and you can um, put together a treatment team, including a dietitian and a therapist and a potential sort of monitor if you're at that level. But at, least, at the very least, starting out with a therapist and a, and a dietitian who specializes in eating disorders to get that team in place and to have the under 18-year-olds attend those meetings. And um, there's also a lot of important while you're navigating that process to be able to look out for local support groups or to find out from other parents how did they um, navigate the system and how did they encourage and help and support their adolescents through this process. Because it's really not easy to navigate. And then for the over, over 18, still, again, putting that team in place or helping your young adults or even it could be a, a spouse or an over 30 individual helping them to put those, that team together and encouraging them to go and attend those meetings. Unfortunately, some of these overweight teams don't have as much leverage, but then it would be important for you as an individual to get some support in place so that you can figure out uh, what steps you could or should take with that person. Got it. So if under 18, just in case you guys couldn't hear Kelly, because I know there's something, there's like a little bit of, Something with your phone, Cal, but just to, um, or it could be ours, repeat it. So if under 18, there's a lot more leverage and setting up a treatment plan is something to start to look into between a doctor, a nutritionist, support groups. Over 18, a little bit more tricky to navigate because obviously that person is legally an adult. Some states probably over 17. Seeking out resources to have in place for when they do reach back out is probably the next steps there. Yes, absolutely. And then if they do say, hey, you know what? You're right. I do need help. I do have a problem. What would be the next steps, best next steps to take then? I think starting with your primary care physician, if you don't have any resources in place whatsoever regarding eating disorders, I would suggest reaching out to your primary care physician and seeing if they have any resources available. And then because the internet is so accessible to everybody now, we can always go online and look for eating disorder professionals and even asking around your friend group, which might be hard for some parents to do because still there's a stigma and shame around eating disorders. But most likely there's somebody in your network who has struggled with the same thing and being able to begin pulling together information and resources. Perfect. So your primary care physician, mental health professional, reach out to your support systems, your friend group, the internet, of course, just a wide variety of options there. I know that you work with treatment outreach. If people have questions and want to reach out to you specifically, would you mind, we'll put a link below as well to where Kelly works, if that's okay with you, the organization you work for. But is there a way to reach you? If they have questions about treatment? Absolutely. I'm happy to help with treatment or any resources and making connections in different communities. Um, our treatment centers are across the country. So I'm happy to be able to wherever somebody might be listening to be able to make that connection. And so I can be reached um, on my cell phone, which is 917-544-3383. 
Wow, the cell phone. See, we we like to help people here at Wealth Seekers. That's a direct <laughs> number to someone who does treatment center outreach management. If you have any questions about treatment, Kelly is an incredible person and an incredible professional. So make sure to reach out to her. We'll put her number below too, if that's okay with you, Kel. That's great. Absolutely. My email is really long, which is why I didn't do it. Yeah, that's, a, <laughs> I'll put a link to um, where Kelly works. If you have questions about treatment specifically, you'll want to check out that link. Kelly, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you too about taking care of yourself. If you have any tips around self-care, being someone who has a loved one with an eating disorder. So if someone in your life does struggle and you don't know what to do, I think we both can probably relate to how challenging that is to watch someone struggle and not be able to help or not be able to solve the problem or not be able to give them treatment. Mm -hmm. What are some self-care techniques, if any, that you could suggest for people that may be experiencing this? Yeah, I think first and foremost, really knowing that recovery is about a marathon and not a sprint. This is a long-term illness and Recovery is possible, as we talked about, but um, it's definitely, it can take some time. So trying to be um, patient and non-judgmental, um, being open and you know, listening reflectively, and also doing whatever it is that you need to do to whatever your way is of taking care of yourself. So maybe it's educating yourself on the topic, maybe it's increasing you know, exercise, yourself in a healthy manner, maybe it's going to get a massage or um, taking a long walk or going to the movies. You know, whatever it is that you need to do that you enjoy doing, to give yourself some time to, to um, rejuvenate after um, or while you're trying to take care of your loved one. Which is, oh, so, no, I was going to say it's the hardest thing mm-hmm. to do when you feel like you have a loved yeah. one out there struggling I yeah. definitely understand to go to the gym or to go see a movie, but it's absolutely the best thing to do for yourself and your own self-care. Right, right. And making sure you have those boundaries in place to, to preserve your own emotional well-being. Absolutely. Such yeah. incredible wisdom. If you or anyone you know are struggling with an eating related issue. It could, you could think it's an eating disorder. It may just be, again, just disordered eating. Check out the link below. You can get in touch with Kelly or contact your own mental health professional, your doctor, or reach out to your support system. Kelly McAdams, before we let you go, we do something here on Well Seekers called the Empowering Question, where mm-hmm. we have a pack of cards. Uh-huh. And you tell me when to stop, and I pull the question, and then you answer it, and then we let our our listeners answer it too. Okay. Okay. You tell me when to stop. Okay, stop. Kelly McAdams. <sighs> I have a question for you. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is your favorite strength about yourself right now? I like the right now in that because that changes. I do like that right now. Um, I'm gonna, <laughs> I thought I was going to be stumped. I'm not. I'm going to say perseverance. Oh, I got goosebumps. Yeah. Tell me why, if you're willing. Because I think that um, I have the strength to keep on going. Like, I, I feel like sometimes I'm just the energizer bunny. I didn't think get thrown at me. I just figure out how to keep on going. It's no matter what it is. Oh, with keeping in line with what Well Seekers, we've changed our tagline 
besides finding your story of well, but it's for rises and comebacks. So you're a riser and a comebacker. I am. Yes. I love that. So perseverance (laughs) or one of my favorite words, resiliency. Yes, absolutely. I love that one too. Yeah. Thanks. That was so much easier than I thought. Thank you. uh, Yeah, I agree with you too, (laughs) having known you. If you guys want to share what your favorite strength about yourself right now is, make sure you leave a comment below or you can tweet us at Wellseekers or we're on Facebook or Instagram. Kelly McAdams, licensed independent clinical social worker and outreach manager at a treatment center for eating disorders. You can find her information below if you have any other additional questions. Thanks so much for being with us on the show. Thank you. We'll be right back on Well Seekers. Today's lifestyle demands the best in wireless. And with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available. Switch to Pulse Cellular for unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data. Coast to coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. One line for $65 or four lines for just $45 each, including hotspot, Wi-Fi calling, and 50 gigs per line. And for all you travelers, we got you covered in Canada and Mexico. Plus, text and data in over 210 countries worldwide. All with the best phones or bring your own. That's pretty awesome. Get the best user experience on mobile at PulseCellular.com. Thanks for being part of the Seekerhood. We couldn't do this without you. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Well Seekers with Lucia. I'm Lucia, so it's a good thing I'm here since it's my show. Um, It's been a long week here at Well Seekers. And I have to say, that's why we're not doing the video. I mean, you could be watching us on video right now. But one of the reasons that we haven't switched over to video yet is my schedule has been insane. It's been crazy. Because of that, I have been practicing what I preach, which is doing what you can do and then just leaving the rest as it can be. And right now, audio with some reduced video is what we're able to do. But I promise you that before the season is over, we will switch back to full on video. Um, Having said that, I want to thank our guest Kelly McAdams for coming on today. Kelly is just, well, she's one of my favorite people and a wealth of knowledge when it comes to taking care of yourself and also helping people get into treatment that may need it. So before we go, I want to talk to you about something that I actually use um, for my own self-care. So when I get stressed out, I have found for myself at this point with my relationship with food, it's an ebb and a flow, right? It's a journey. And it went from really bad to really good to really bad again, and then to a treatment center. And since then, it's been this slow sort of patiently improving evolution of a pretty healthy relationship with food. I still work on my relationship with my body, especially having gained some weight. So that is an absolute work in progress. But one of the things I do, because now I notice I use food more as an anxiety tool, to reduce my anxiety is what I need to focus on, right? Because if I'm using food to reduce my anxiety, what I really need to focus on is reducing my anxiety. So something that I have found that if you go to wellseekers.com and you click on the featured tools, there's something called a fidget dice and it's really cheap. It's under $10. This fidget dice is my absolute favorite. You'll hear me clicking it right now. When I get stressed out or I want to eat, I use this and it helps me breathe just take a second to like stop, right? Like stop, Lucia. You don't need to feel so anxious and worried. And I click this toy and it sort of just takes my energy. It takes my anxious energy and helps me not eat. Um, Another thing that I do that has been really, really helpful is gum. Gum is a 
big anxiety reducing tool for me. And then of course, you know, this is if I can't take a 10 minute meditation, maybe I'm in a meeting or something. These are tools that I can just use and not have to close my eyes and slip away. I can be in the moment with people and my anxiety, I take it out on a fidget dice, not on a pint of ice cream. Having said that, if I do eat a pint of ice cream, like I'm still okay with it at this point. And that to me is recovery. And that to me is hopeful because that was not the case. Um, I would have had to have run 7,000 miles or restrict calories the next day or do a million crazy things that I used to do with my eating disorder. And I am just so grateful and want to pass on to you guys that if you're struggling with food or you know someone who's struggling with food, there's absolutely 100% hope out there. You will rise, you will come back and you can get to a place that it may not feel like perfection, but it'll absolutely feel like you have progressed to a place that you couldn't believe you got to. Eating things like pizza and ice cream and looking forward to it for me, taking my anxiety and using a fidget tool instead of eating, absolutely somewhere I never thought I would be. The way that I got there was through my own treatment and my own treatment program. And there's lots of different ways that people get there. So I just hope that if you're out there struggling or you know someone struggling, that you keep searching, you keep seeking because there are answers out there. Kelly had some great ones. If you're just looking for better coping skills and want to use food a little bit less, but it's not something that needs treatment, things like these coping skills, this fidget dice and all of that stuff that we have on the site under featured tools, it is literally there to help you do just that. Cope with life in a way that's positive, that takes your anxiety because we all feel stress. We all feel these things. It's just what do we do with them? And this show is all about helping you do something positive with them. So I hope you got a lot out of today's show. I hope that you reach out and ask for help if you need it. Kelly had some great resources. And most of all, I hope that you're good to yourself for the rest of the week. If you need anything, make sure you find us on Facebook at Wellseekers, Instagram at Wellseekers, Twitter at Wellseekers. You can also find me at Lucia Naz, L-U-C-I-A-N-A-Z-Z on Instagram, Lucia's page on Facebook. As always, if you have any questions, make sure you seek out your own one-on-one individual doctor, mental health professional, someone that can get your questions answered. Although we want to give you information, we absolutely are not treating anyone um, one-on-one. So if this is an emergency, as always, make sure you reach out to a mental health professional um, straight away. You could even walk into an ER, call 911 if you're ever having a mental health emergency. That is the best thing to do. So while we're here to support you, we hope that if you really do need help, that you reach out and you get that. So thanks for being with us on this journey. We love you guys. And we know that you have a lot of ways that you can spend your time, a lot of things that you can listen to. And we are so exceptionally grateful and honored that you're listening to us. So thanks for being with us on the show. And we'll talk to you next time on Well Seekers. How would you like to join the conversation? Email us anytime at hello at wellseekers.com.